This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 95, sponsored by Jim Hanley's Universe and the Netflix. Stop, take some time to think, figure out what's important to you. Stop, take some time to think, figure out what's important to you. Stop, take some time to think, figure out what's important to you. You gotta make a serious decision. Hi, 
Uh, I- I'm Franklin Richards, and you're listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. And um, my-, my dad was supposed to do this, but he, uh, my whole family is busy. Uh, they're with some guy named uh, Galacticus. Uh, anyways, so um, uh, every week, Ron and uh, Josh and uh, I think my dad said Hunter. They they all uh, read um, a lot of comics. And then they come to, uh, and then they go to ifanboy.com, and they pick whichever comic was best, and then they come here and do the podcast, uh, talking about that comic and uh, all the other comics that were good this week. Oh yeah, uh, there's gonna be spoilers, so um, if you don't want to know what happened in this week's comics, then pause your iPod and uh, c- come back later. And listen to it later, because then you'll know what happened, and your comics won't be spoiled. Well, thank you, Franklin. Oh, wow. It's so nice to hear him yeah. chime in. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, I believe Josh Josh has the pick of the week this week. Well, well, before we go into the pick, we should probably mention that that was yet another fan-submitted intro, yeah. and that if you would like to submit your intro, um, you hear us do it every week, send it to contact at ifanboy.com. We'd love to hear it from you. It's less work for us. We didn't do that because we don't know any kids. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I had the pick this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had the pick. <laughs> what do you want to? You want to make something of it? Somebody else want to pick? Maybe I I'll do. Your, I'll put your pick up against my pick any day of the week. <laughs> All right, I'm, 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 I'm books, Richards. Everybody put their picks back in their pants. Let's go. <laughs> you, you come in swinging your big pick around. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I went with Immortal Iron Fist number eight, um, and for me, this was – I sat there, and I held a copy of this in my hand, and the Spirit number nine, and Green Arrow year one number three, and I looked at them all for a really long time. <laughs> and I was really – I was kind of torn because I was like, geez, what do I – and I decided to go with Iron Fist because it was the one book that for me – uh, you know, the spirit was good just like it had been, and we'll get into that. And the same with Green Arrow. Iron Fist to me just that it keeps growing and expanding, and it's making me care about a character and a whole thing that I never did before. And if you were to ask me right now, like, who one of my favorite Marvel characters is, I would easily say that Iron Fist is right up there. And I, I credit a lot of that to this book, which I had zero interest in before it started. Um, basically, what we've got here is the start of a new story arc, and there's... I don't even know – do either of you know if any of this mythology behind Iron Fist existed before? No, no. did not. No, did no. not. Okay, so they're making all this up. Basically, like he – Iron Fist is the champion of the well, city. Wait. Well, actually, wait. Hang on. I think his origin, like where he got the powers and the city and stuff like that existed, but not the history of the Iron Fists and all that kind right. of stuff. Yeah. Okay, well, so no. basically he's the champion of the heavenly city of Kunlun. Uh, and that's where he gets the Iron Fist power, and he's their champion. And then this series has been revealed that there are – six other heavenly cities and they all have their own champions and this is a tournament uh there, there's a tournament between all those champions that happens once every who know however many hundred years or something like that kumite 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 <laughs> and and i will be completely honest with you i you know this is not it's not the most original thing in the world um it's basically just a martial arts movie uh you know but without jean-claude van damme but also like <laughs> It exists in the Marvel Universe, and it's it's filling in a backstory for this character, Danny Rand, who I've really come to like a lot. Um, and then sort of in this, at the same time that this tournament thing is going on, there's also earthly plotting going on where there's like sort of this 
intricate thing where uh, a corporation is trying to take over Danny Rand's corporation, but it's backed by Hydra. But then Hydra is being commended by Davos, who's one of the other champions from one of the other cities. And, you know, they've kidnapped his friend and there's just all this stuff going on. And it looks um, like the, it looks like the the Hydra plot is related to some sort of train being built in China. Yeah, some sort of some sort of train. And, there is a real story about uh, trains being built through the Himalayas in China. It's like the most impossible engineering feats ever. Yeah, yeah, that's where it's starting to lose me. That and then in the background, you've got they're sort of telling the history of Danny Rand and how his father came across Kunlun and what that means. And the gimmick for this book, I guess, is that they use different artists for the flashbacks, um, which I, I'm actually – I really like a lot. Um, well, I think that's a good way to use multiple artists on a book without making it jarring or making it weird like on The Flash. It's, yeah. no, it's, a, it's, a, great, it's a great gimmick. It's a great mechanism. But what, what I think is really interesting about this is that they um, – like just the moment that I'm reading the story and basically it starts after Danny, get whisked, Danny gets whisked away to the floating city for this tournament – and just at the point where I was like, all right, what's going on with the with his friend and the Rand Corporation and Hydra? Just at that moment, I turned the page, and it, and it goes to that point. It was plotted almost perfectly to the point of of hitting the beats right when you, you I thought about it. You know, I absolutely yeah. agree with you on that, and yeah. that's sort of the point of me. You know, when 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 I'm it's the, all these different things are going on, and it's just like what we talk about in JSA. You know, like they're being juggled really well. Um, and one of the points that I wrote down in my review was that. I feel like this is a really perfect mesh of, of Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker, the, the writers, um, in that it feels like it's playing to both of their strengths really well. And I can't say with any certainty who does what, and you know, but I feel like some of the more left field ideas are are you know that would maybe come from Fraction, but he's being tempered a little bit. And then the plotting, which is we know is a Brubaker hallmark, like his plotting is just you know his pacing is always spot on. All of those things get put together, and you get this unique book that doesn't really sound like it doesn't really feel like either of them wrote it, but but rather that both of them wrote it as they did. Uh, and early on, we had felt like, well, maybe maybe Brubaker's doing you know the the thought work on it, and then they're just making Ed Brubaker or, or making Matt Fraction just get the coffee or something. But I think this is both of them. What what I really liked is is so it's got the. Um it's all leading up to the fact that this tournament is starting, and you're totally right. It is just a kung fu movie. It's it's Bloodsport or whatever the Van Damme movie is. And, you know that that is it. But what I love is that that even down to the T of the other fighters in the tournament represent like the different kind of archetypes of fighters. Like there's the big fat sumo guy, and then there's the then there's the kind of you know the 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 equal to Iron Fist, which is the Davos the Steel Serpent guy. Then there's the women who you know who don't who look who don't look dangerous but are deadly. You know like it's just it's like, like the dirty filthy guy. Yeah, exactly, and I'm just I, – I just can't wait for the next – I don't know how many issues this arc is, but if this whole arc is just this tournament, it's going to be a lot of fun to read. So uh, Yeah, I'm, uh, and that's funny is that his first opponent is Fat Cobra, which is just E-Honda from uh, – <laughs> it's all he is. He's a really big, fat sumo guy, and he's fast. He even slaps at one point, but <laughs> I think that uh, David Aja is, is easily one of my new – coming from out of nowhere for me. I love the way he writes. He draws this book. He's he's one of the best. I mean, he's one of the best new guys um, out there. The art has been consistently great when it's been him. So he sort of comes from that that Michael Lark school, I think. It's sort yeah, of very, yeah. and not everybody. It's it's not like the opposite of like the old older style of comic artists where you know they had all those perfectly chiseled abs and extra abs and abs on top of that. Well, that's like kind of like the flashback artist. It's kind of like that. 
Yeah, a little bit. And and in that way, the contrast is really nice. But I love this. It's it's it exists sort of between like almost photorealistic, but then also incredibly sparse at the same time. It just I don't know how you ride that line. Um, it it's just it's that. It's so simple, and it's very realistic in its approach. And not really photorealistic, but um, it's just he draws a damn good book. <laughs> it's just good. It's it's sometimes you just have to say it's just good. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I I mean, I, I I don't know if this would have been my pick, but this is definitely up there. It's definitely one of the better books this week. Um, yeah. Connor, did you agree or you disagree? Yeah, no, I, I think whenever the story gets a little too wonky for me personally, I always have the anchor of David Aja's art to keep me interested. I think the I'm really looking forward to the fight. The whole corporation intrigue does nothing for me, and the whole backstory of his father does nothing for me. But uh, but as, as long as the main story is the tournament, then I'll be okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was my thought about you, because I know you like the street-level Danny Rand, and this is about yeah. as far away from that as you can get, you know? Yeah, but, it's, you know, Kung Fu tournament's cool. But um, <laughs> I, think, I think the best thing about this book and other books like it is, is I think my favorite Marvel stuff is stuff that's happening on the fringes. It's not... This book is not happening in, within the whole post-Civil War world. It's not really happening within the Hulk, World War Hulk world. It's, it exists almost in its own place like Daredevil does and Captain America does, yeah. even though Captain America is basically post-Civil War. It doesn't feel like it. Um, those, to me, and like Astonishing X-Men, those, to me, are like the books that I really am enjoying from Marvel right now. It's the ones that yeah. don't feel like they're stuck in the whole... I agree. There's no initiative slab, slab on this book. Yes. And, exactly. and it, it's all the better for it. Yep. yep. Cool. Cool. Um, so uh, one of the other ones that uh, I wanted to talk about uh, is uh, the Spirit Number Nine, um, and and one I guess one of the reasons I didn't go with this was not that it wasn't extremely good, but it was just that it was just more of the same good. And we've kind of already talked about it a lot, and, uh, but I do feel like this was the strongest issue of the Spirit in a while, definitely since that little sort of break they went and took. I, and, feel, I feel like every issue is always the strongest issue of it. This is kind of funny. yeah, it's, yeah build, right. it's building on top of momentum, you know, like you know. This one, to me, reading through it, I kept he kept uh, basically kept switching narrators, which yep. he's done before, but he did it so well that like he kept getting into the voice of that person, and it was just and it carried the story along, and you kept getting information, and it just it was actually it, it, because the art sort of looks so simple at first glance, it belies this sort of it's quite a meaty book. Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, one of the strengths Darwin Cook's always, always had is that he packs a lot of punch with a lot with sparseness. Mm-hmm. He's very good. He's very economical. He, he he doesn't overload you, but at the same time, he he gives you a lot um, with his art and with the scripting. There was a point in this book where I was just I just thought it was too much mm-hmm. um, words. When when we when we switched to the old woman's narration. And it was just blocks and blocks of text. And I, I can just, see that as valid. It was very, it was very heavy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean that's what to me I was like, oh, like you know, I was, the story I was flying along with the story. I was enjoying it. I loved the side. I loved the little spotlight and the sidekick and and um, it just when it got to the old ladies narration, it was just like four to five you know, caption blocks full of text for each panel. And I just it just drove the whole story to a halt for me. But the um, spotlight on the side take, take that part out. It was, it's it was a great issue. Just taking that yeah. one sec, like three page section out. See, the spotlight on the sidekick specifically was the thing that I really, really appreciated because yeah. it went from this sort of, like, I think this book went from, like, really heavy-handed to then sort of lighthearted and whimsical. And, like, yeah. he wrote, like, this kid meeting a girl at the library and, and just in a very sweet way. And it was, like, it was sort of relatable and you, you know, 
This issue should put to rest anything. We had a debate on our forums way, way back, months and months ago, and three or four issues into the series about whether or not there was any supernatural element to the spirit, and now this is put to rest. Yeah. There, it is, he is a superhero. He's, he was resurrected. He's, a, he's an undead. He can't seem to die, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah I, if you had told me, I guess, ten months ago that, that the spirit uh, would be one of my favorite books coming out, I wouldn't have ever believed you in a million years. <laughs> or Iron Fist, so you're on a roll. Yeah, I know, and I love that. And I love that there's this diversity in you know what are essentially mainstream mainstream comics. Yeah, so, good stuff. It still, ma- it, it still makes you lament the day, the moment that Darwin cooks off this book. Because I, I, I was, I was saying to Connor earlier that I, I it would take it would take a hell of a team for me to want to keep reading this with him not doing it. Yeah. Like I can't. I, I mean, I can't think of anybody. Who I think could pull it off? Frank Miller and Jim Lee. No way in hell. <laughs> Joss Whedon, John Cassidy. <laughs> that would just be weird. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, yeah, no, it's it's good. It's always good. So. Um, and then uh, this this week marks the re- return of the Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard um, Winter eleven fifty two, issue number one from you guys um, picks up. Yes, of course. Hell's yeah, yeah. I was happy to see my store got it, so that was good. So. <laughs> uh, Josh, you didn't read the first series, right? I didn't. I uh, I haven't managed to get through that yet. Um, but you, so well, my question to you is, if not having read it, how were you able to? How you? How did you do with this issue? Because it was somewhat dependent on the last storyline. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes and no, I think, because there's a recap, and I don't know, I feel, I felt as if, like, I felt, because I had the same thought, whether Josh was going to be able to do it, and I, after reading it, I'm like, you know, he'll be able to jump right on, and let's see if he was able to. Were you able to, Josh? Or? Yeah, yeah, I think, I, I think at first I was having, like, which mouse is which, they have different, you know, but... Yeah, but so, so was I, though, so... Right, I don't think that was this specifically. I, it, what I had heard is that the story in the last one wasn't all that complicated, so that, plus the idea that, you know, he, he came out of nowhere... I figured he's got to come into this book with the idea of, of picking new people up who hadn't read it before. Like, if he hadn't, it would have been dumb to have him not do it that way, at least a little bit. Um, so that being said, I was fine. I mean, it made it made sense. I, I get it. They're going off to find food somewhere. <laughs> I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a better looking book out. It's beautiful. It's I mean, this is it's an absolutely stunning comic book to look oh, at. Yeah. I, I'm going to sound more like Ron now than I ever have, but. Um, I think the lettering could use some work. <laughs> I yeah, do. Possibly, really yeah. stand to me. I um, want to see like they just look like uh, beginner level word balloons. Yeah, well, but but I, and I, I had less problem with the word balloons and the lettering, and as I did with the um, towards the end the, the the scripty stuff. Yeah, you know? that's hard to so, read, and that makes yeah. it difficult. But other than that, paper stock, artwork, coloring, you know, the whole deal. <laughs> The whole presentation is just beautiful, and like, and what's great is that like we, you know, I really like the fact that this is taking almost like a seasonal uh-huh. kind of approach. And the last book wasn't winter, you know, as opposed to this one being winter, and so you get a different look and you get a different feel and a different kind of mood with it. Um, the snow and, on everything is really, really cool. Yeah, and and what I just think is great is that you, he really embraces this idea of this whole mouse um, world underfoot. That could potentially be happening. I mean, I know it says 1152. It's not necessarily 1152 R, you know, Anno Domino, but um, it, this could be happening underneath our feet without us knowing about it. And it's and it's kind of steeped almost in reality, where you know, like they're, they're in the snow. The, the storm's getting bad, so like, all right, we'll tunnel, and they start tunneling through the snow, which is completely possible, yeah, you know, because that's how big they are, and they could, you know, and like, um, well, and, I was and looking they, at the trees around them. 
Yeah. The trees are 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 them sized. They're not people sized. Oh, interesting. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. So that's a little weird. Well, those th- those aren't necessarily trees. Those could just be like saplings or weeds or something like that. Because the because the one city is in a tree. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. That was good, but either way, um, it's it's really good, and it's I'm glad that it's back, and I'm and it looks like they're taking it smart, and next issue will be in September, so it looks like monthly, you know. So one of the th- I think my guess is he's got them built up because he couldn't yeah. do this by yeah. himself each month. One of the things, one of the reasons that I haven't read the last one is that I've basically got the idea that while the art is really beautiful, um, you know, the story's okay, but it's a little. I where did you, you get that idea from? I don't know. From, from I'm not, from either. You made from that up, huh? You made that up. Did I? I I don't know. Where, I mean, I don't know where you get it from. It was it was, it was complex. And it, <laughs> was it? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like Watchmen, but it wasn't like it wasn't like you know. <laughs> wasn't like the Marvel kid line either. It was. Yeah, he's kind of right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm saying that's why I have it. Whether it's right or wrong, I'm going. I don't know. That's why I asked you where it came from because it's you know it's not the book I read. Amazon reviews or something. What do I know? Um, <laughs> that's a good source. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. Like, it was like you know there was a there was a traitor in the midst of the mouse guard and trying to assassinate yeah. the queen and it, it was you know, okay. Uh, there was an old retired guard and it was yeah it was, it was it was really it was cool. It was I mean it's a great. You should I offered to lend you my issues. It's great. I never turned them down. Oh, okay. It just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I have a lot of comic books to read on a given day. I can't get to it all. Oh, Jesus, between this and Hellboy. Uh... <laughs> all right, well, this week also saw, saw the uh, release of a highly anticipated uh, title um, from Marvel called Halo Uprising, issue number one by Bendis and Malieve. And I know when this was announced at the New York Con, we collectively all rolled our eyes but then I don't I don't know I don't, I don't know it was more of a surprise I think it was I, more I like huh? yeah right. I didn't roll well, eyes because I generally I generally don't really think that crossover kind of books like this have much of a shelf life um, but if anybody could do it, this team probably could and I think after seeing some of the pages, I think we all collectively said we're gonna buy it because of Malie's art um I bought it did you guys get it or yep yep yeah so we all got it we all read it what what did we think? I thought it was interesting the approach he took in that he didn't, Brendis, the writer, didn't really um, explain things. If you don't know Halo, yeah. if you don't know who Master Chief is or the Covenant or what's going on, you might be really confused. Um, that having been said, I do know a little bit of it, and I, and I, so I do know the basics of the who the characters are and what's going on, so I, I didn't have a problem. And I, and I think the idea to base most of the story with two characters on Earth who don't really know what's happening either was, was a good one because Master Chief isn't really somebody I don't think you can follow since he doesn't really speak ever. Um, <laughs> that having been said, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the art was fantastic. It was Malieve who is like a modern master. And um, it thought it was, I thought it was a fun, it's a fun like alien invasion story. These two, these two, this guy's a hotel concierge and a, like a famous singer or rock singer, not so famous, but they're sort of caught in the midst of this covenant invading the Cleveland, which is now apparently some big resort city in on Earth. And um, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a good time. I'm really looking forward to the next one. I think that's 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 the biggest thing you can do with a with the introduction to a miniseries of an unknown world. All right. <laughs> that's, that's that's certainly an opinion, Josh. I, I don't know. 
<laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, there's no denying Alex Malib's art. Uh, I think there's no denying that Bendis is familiar with having played these games. I've played through both of them, and I'm, I don't know. Like I really, I felt like specifically the scenes with Master Chief. I just felt like I was watching drawings from the cutscenes of the game, which to me, right? That was yeah, that was cool. I thought. I guess. I mean, I, I kind of skipped those when I play the game. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess this is one thing. Like, I've never been terribly interested in the Halo story. I've I've played through the first two games. I don't think I ever finished the second one, but I kind of. I don't know, it was one of those stories that didn't really interest me that much for whatever reason. Um, and so then they went and they made up these two other characters, which I, I don't think, I think is a completely valid way to do it, but it just feels like, I don't know, I just I just wasn't all that interested in it for whatever reason. And I, I wanted to be, I wasn't holding it against it that it was a property, but I felt like I kept sort of being reminded that it was, and I don't know, I, it just... It's just I I didn't love it. I don't know if I want to keep reading it or not. I think I might read the 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 next one. I felt I'm trying to remember. I think on the very yeah, it was the very last page though that I was like, son of a bitch. That last panel, I was like, I, I really want to know what happens next, but I didn't up until right then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. So I, I will probably read the next one. I do have to give, you know. Sometimes if you give up on stuff a little early, it gets better. I wasn't terribly interested in this so far, though. Ron, um, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of fall directly in the middle of you guys. I mean, some, uh, you know, when it started, I was like, "All right, this is great, Mali finally back." And then I got to the the, the dialogue, and I was like, eh, "I'm not so much interested in this." And then I was like, "Oh no, okay, I'm right, I'm back." And then I was like, "Eh, not so much interested in this." So I kept on going back and forth. Yeah, um, you know, and the thing is, I I I played the game, but only multiplayer. I've never played the campaigns or anything like that, so I don't know the story, I don't know the background, and I'm hoping to learn more of it through this miniseries. But um, I mean, I, what my question is whether or not Malieve's art alone is enough to carry me through the whole miniseries. Well, and through this art. through this issue, it was that it was very much the case. So yeah, he he, yeah. he can certainly draw. Oh, they're beautiful. Didn't they're it make beautiful. you? Didn't it make you miss him? Yes, a lot. Yeah. I mean, didn't it make you? Did you be like, oh man, I remember Daredevil. So so good. So yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, it was a really well produced book. I got it, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was upscale. I mean, like, there were barely any ads, and there were, you know, like, it was, the back cover wasn't an ad. It was a full, you know, like, it was, I mean, it was, it was, a, I can't believe I'm talking about the ad content. But, um, <laughs> for some reason, the character, the, the two Earthbound characters, that one is the singer or the, the celebrity or whatever, and the other is the uh, a hotel concierge. The fact that the hotel concierge was wearing white gloves really bugged the crap out of me for some reason. I don't know why. But, <laughs> That's just a complete, you know, random nitpick. I'm like, take the gloves off, jeez, you know. So, I think, I don't know. That's, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. No. I guess. So. I get. I didn't really care about them either. Yeah, no, exactly. I didn't. I don't feel committed to them, you know. And then, and then, even at the end, when when we realize that they're the they're a connection to the to the main plot, I was like, oh great, these people, you know, like so. Yeah. Well, did you expect to be two other random people that would be connected to the main plot? No, no, no. I mean, I know it wasn't a surprise, but I was like, oh, I was, I was glad to see that the Indians are still a team in the future. So, <laughs> you know, even you know, it, it was one of those books where they're just referring to things that we don't know about all the time, and sometimes I like that, and sometimes I don't. In this, I was like, oh, just tell me what's going on so I can right. know. 
yeah. and uh, feel like I should have read something before this. I, I really do think that. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I felt like I was interloping in a world that I don't belong in. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like yeah. we did need a little more information before we get going. Well, the back there's a whole big paragraph that explains it. I yeah, I wish I had seen that yeah. uh, before I'd read it. Yeah, uh, but oh, I well. didn't. So, all right. Well, moving on. He has Mjolnir armor. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. So, astonishing X Men number twenty two. Yep. Uh, so that happened. Did it? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Think, I don't think it did. I don't think it happened. No, I know. Either. I know. I don't think it did either. Well, what we're talking about is so this is the you know the next chapter in the Astonishing X Men. They're on the Break World and and they're trying to get around the fact that they you know that the people in the Break World are going to destroy Earth because they think Colossus is going to destroy them. And we see the team after being split up get reunited, and then they kind of escape on a on, on a ship, and then they realize that they're up against this big fleet and they got to figure out what to do. And basically, Cyclops uh, sacrifices himself, and the book fades with his ship, his little one-man ship, uh, getting destroyed, and him floating in space, and a panel of him holding his breath that I wish I'd never saw. Um, Why? Just the look on his face with the the. Do you know the page we're talking about? Yep. The the page after B says, "Give him hell, boss." Yeah. And the the second panel down from the opposite one. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's not a good face. Anybody wants to be remembered by, but um. um but so, and it ends with him um, fading in space, and you see his eyes kind of closing, and, and you see an image of what is assumed to be Jean Grey, and then an image of the Professor Xavier saying, what a future you have ahead of you. And also, I think it's important to note that his eyes seem to have a tinge of red. Yeah. He's got it all! <laughs> and I don't know if that's because his powers are coming back, and that's going to play into it, or, oh. or he's just tired, or... Oh, I bet that's it. He's closing his eyes, and when he opens them back, yeah. gonna have his, his shit's going to be back. Yeah, maybe. The, I don't think that, 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 that what's her name Emma has got a whole lot of shit planned for him right here. Yeah, he yeah. When she says I'm so close, I didn't. You know, that was basically like, sexual, wasn't it? Yeah. It, is she pulling his mind out? Like I, I you know, who knows? So um, I, I don't but, believe for a second he's gone. I mean, he could be. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I don't. All believe. I gotta say is that in in in. Four freaking years. If I got to deal with both Jean Grey getting killed by Morrison and then Scott Summers getting killed by Whedon, I'm not going to be a happy X fan. I don't think that's going to happen at all. He's the only person who's given Scott Summers any balls in years. Right, I know, and then he goes and then he'll go and kill him. He's not going to kill him. This is your classic, he's floating in space. The the first panel in the next book is going to be him getting saved. Yeah, (laughs) I hope. I don't know. (laughs) All I know is I finished reading it and I called Connor. I'm like, I'm not happy. (laughs) I was like, I didn't read it yet! (laughs) <laughs> from the initial, from the initial reaction, it was. Don't get me wrong. The book was beautiful, and I love it. I I really dislike the fact that the story broke up the team because I love it when the team is together. Yeah, I mean, like like Whedon has really got the interplay between Kitty and Colossus when they're in bed together was great. Yep. When the team when the team reunites on the ship on the ship and when you know when they come up on the 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 moon with the, that's the missile launching thing and the the little Star Wars joke. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, and like just all the back and forth, and Wolverine's quips and stuff like that, and just like Kitty kind of, you know, chiming in. I mean, like he's really got the team dynamic down. And I just want to see more of it. You Wolverine's know? Like, just, a little bit too clever for me, and not too clever, but he's kind of too quippy. He's always he was always kind of like that. He's all, way back way back in Claremont days. He was he had little quips. He was always he was always the group would be standing in a group, and he'd be off to the side just throwing lobbing and quips. Yeah, yeah, he was sarcastic so, guy. Yeah, yeah so. I guess I guess he just hasn't been that for me. But that's yeah. that. I mean, that's perfectly valid, you know. Um, yeah. Well, well, you'll find out if he's dead or not in six months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn it! Thank so. God for the recap page. 
this <laughs> exactly. one. Exactly. How about this week is like the week of of all the great art coming out? Yeah. I mean, Mouse Guard, Spirit, David Aja, Leave, uh, Jock, and yeah. so on and so forth. Uh, it's true. So, uh, so if you wanted to pick up any of these books uh, or wanted any other books or, or art with those guys, you can go to Jim Hanley's Universe, uh, which is one of America's best and most progressive uh, comic book stores. Uh, Jim Hanley's Universe has the best selection of comic titles and related merchandise and all that stuff from mainstream to manga to minis to every possible comic, graphic novel, or whatever you can imagine. Jim Hanley's has got all that. Um, if you're in New York City, uh, you can come visit the place where art and literature meet. Uh, so you can go visit them. Uh, there's two stores. There's one in Manhattan, uh, just south of the Empire State Building, um, on 33rd, and uh, on Staten Island at 325 New Dorp Lane. Uh, so you can visit them on their website, which is jhuniverse.com, uh, or you can friend them, uh, please do, on MySpace, which is uh, myspace.com slash Jim Hanley's Universe. And thank you very much. Cool. All right, so um, so real quickly before we get to the uh, emails and voicemails this week, we, there's a couple other books we just want to touch upon. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man number 543 is the last issue of The Amazing Spider-Man that Straczynski is writing, and it's the last issue before the One More Day event with Straczynski and Quesada. Um, so, he's, and, so he's not done. Well, no, he's not. He, but he's not. The, uh, one more day isn't on amazing. He's done on amazing though. His reign of terror is over. The reign of terror is over. Huzzah, huzzah! And all the real quick hit to say on this is that the reign of terror is over went out with a with a horrific bang. <laughs> Honestly, like someone should go pick up J. Michael Straczynski and arrest him for what he did to what he's done to Spider Man. And it's and it's going to come out more and more in the upcoming months. And I think especially once one more day happens, or one day one day edition. What is it? What is it? One more day. Um, um, one day at a time. No, one more day. One day. Is Schneider going to be Schneider? Schneider. Damn it. Schneider. <laughs> um, when, when one more day happens, I think the the uproar is going to be even louder. But um, but basically, in this issue, he's barely in the Spider-Man costume at all, and basically, he's running out of money. Aunt May's in the hospital. They need to. The police are are starting to get suspicious. So Peter and Mary Jane hatch this plot to sneak uh, Aunt May out of the hospital, they steal an ambulance, they bring her to another hospital, forging documents left and right, knocking cops out left and right. What the hell? And it kind of ends with with um, Peter counting all the felonies that he did in one night, that it was nine felony counts, that he didn't commit as Spider-Man, he committed as Peter, and how he's become what he's, what he's pledged to fight a criminal, and it ends with, I'm lost, God, help me, I'm so lost. Uh-oh. And, yeah. Jeez. Oh, you know yeah. what, though? Um, isn't he supposed to be a fugitive... Yeah, well, like, he, un- also- he, un- he unmasked and he's against the registration, so all the shouldn't he be uh, have been arrested? Yeah, pa- well, no, because they- they- she's in the in the hospital as May pa- as May Riley and Mary Jane's Mary Riley. Right, but he's so- there, right? He's walking around with a mask on. Right, no, but he he actually the one there's one thing in this issue that that was kind of clever was that because he's the, he's staying in the shadows and at one point when the cop who's sniffing around one of the nurses or the doctors talks to the cop and she's like well you want to know what I think and she describes this whole plot of what it seems like to a third party where she thinks that you know like he he's the abusive boyfriend and he got into a fight with his, with Mary Jane and and somehow the, the Aunt May got shot and they snuck her into the hospital and they're trying to hide the fact and now they're trying to kill her to shut her up and like it's, it was kind of funny to see this whole like well here's what i think is going on kind of side plot which is you know in in you know because there's no way that this nurse thinks that he's spider-man you know so that was the one clever kind of funny aspect of the story but i don't know shouldn't, it just, she, shouldn't she know he's spider-man it was nationally televised he, no he's never he they, nobody ever saw him in the hospital what? 
he never got spotted in the hospital. He dropped May in and then disappeared, and then Mary Jane came and said, that's my aunt. Okay, but – okay. I'm confused because like uh, – he He's he never had, been seen by no, anybody but, in the but hospital. No, but that's not confused about. He, 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 he goes to national television takes his mask off on Peter Parker. Theoretically, All, they, everybody wait, everybody knows Mary Jane, the, the, the supermodel actress. But she never – yeah, but that's the big problem yeah, she, is that – She's married many people, to Peter Parker. It would be in the tabloids. Yeah. I mean she's an actress. And they would run so, it on CNN constantly. Yeah, so right. when, when, when Mary Riley or whatever she's going by walks into the – it's like Angelina Jolie walking into my apartment saying, no, my name is Beth. Like I'd be like, no, right. you're – And, I, th- and I, think what's go- I think what's going on, and not that I'm defending, I'm just playing devil's advocate, is that you're overestimating her fame in the Marvel Universe and that maybe her star has no, fallen away. No, listen, though. Yeah. When he yeah. came out on the – if you just think about how the news works, when he came out on the news, they would have run that story in his picture and his face and thereby her yeah. face by extension. And they would have, they would have yeah. investigated and they would, have, they would have been all over the news. Even Lindsay Lohan is, is a fallen star and she would have you – know, it, yep. it would be at least that much It makes coverage. no logical sense that, that she would be unrecognizable. Well, I think it makes no logical sense kind of sums it up for this entire arc and this entire story and this God. entire run. He yeah, just left so. it in a shambles, didn't he? Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty Bring much on, teenage Peter. And, and and not even and not even on top of that is that like okay, so the big issue is that they can't afford to keep her in the hospital. He's a freaking new Avenger with Danny Rand in his corner, and all like he's he's gonna be able to come up with the money. That's yeah. that was that's why my that's my whole thing with Spider Man is that it, yeah. it, it it's taken him to the point where it's completely ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense within the context of the character. That's why I've got to reboot him because. The, the character they had got now is a complete and utter disaster. And we're going to get a big old fat reboot. Woo! I, think you can, right. I don't think there's any other way out of it. No, it's a disaster. Like, Straczynski wrote it into such a corner that they're like, Suck 1968, it, I don't know. That's awesome. <laughs> All of a sudden, Doc Brown pulls up and goes, Peter, you've got to come with me. <laughs> it's not you, it's your kids. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I would like to see that crossover. Bob Gale's writing one of the books, isn't he? Yeah, he, he is. is. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> and Peter just walks around going, "This is heavy all the time." <laughs> and Doctor Connors is like, "What does that weight have to do with it?" <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, anyway, this is a crossover I'd like to see. Green Arrow. No- <laughs> Green Arrow, you're mm. one number four. Um, it was mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah, so. this was great. Two weeks can't go by without us mentioning this book. Oh, because it comes out every two weeks. Here's the reason yeah. that I didn't pick it as number one. This was almost my pick of the week. But the reason is I don't actually have a lot to say about it because it's been just – it's not really distinguishable from the other issues. And it takes us back to one of the things that Connor and I were talking about. So this is going to be like the greatest little trade paperback ever. You know? Yep. Uh, yep. This issue itself doesn't necessarily stand out other than it was real good just like the other ones. And I read this, and literally all I think about is, I wonder if I can buy that page. Yep. <laughs> I can buy that page. Um, notable in this issue uh, was his naming. Yes. Uh, they, they came up with a, what I thought was a really plausible and interesting reason for calling him the Green Arrow. Yeah. And uh, I, I loved it. I just... Oh, John. I like I like seeing him shoot dudes with arrows because they usually wuss out and yep. he doesn't he, in the regular books he doesn't shoot he shoots just next to them or he scares them or shoots them with some sort of stupid trick arrow which I've always been against the trick arrows yeah um, so I like seeing him actually use the arrows because the the idea I don't know about you guys but the idea uh, I think it's almost worse to get shot with an arrow than a bullet now I've never been shot with either one but like if I'm walking around a modern day street and I get shot with an arrow. <laughs> 
That's can, way more freaky than getting shot with a bullet. And they can get hooked on something and pull. Yeah, so I think that's. I mean, the, the, I'm, not even gonna, I'm not even going to entertain that situation. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not expecting to get shot with an arrow in the middle of the street. That's the thing. I just, I just, I just picture you walking through Manhattan and you just like, and you hear the fuck, and then and then Connor goes, "What the oh, motherfucker?" You know, like, oh, of all the oh. an arrow, and then a DeLorean pulls up and it's like Connor, get it, Connor. <laughs> Um, uh, so I'm glad that they're actually going with that. So that's that's all I have to say about Green Arrow. One yeah. other thing about this book that I thought was really cool is that uh, this is you're starting to see the character of Holly. Yeah, basically you can like, at first you're like, who's this guy? This is now you're seeing the 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 bridge between who Ollie is now and who Ollie was when we first saw, saw this, and it it all works. Yep, and I really like it for that. Cool. Um. um I right. wanted to mention uh, Crossing Midnight number 10, which comes up from Vertigo, written by Mike Carey, uh, guest art this time by Eric Gwynn, who did Strange Girl. You guys will remember. Yes. Yeah. Um, this was uh, like a first story in a new arc, and it focuses – I can't even begin to explain the story to you right now. But one of the things going on in this is that they're in this um, – they're called telephone girls. And in Japan, they're these girls who hang around, and they're sort of like prostitutes but not – and he's writing this story about these girls who, who sort of get taken advantage of by adults, but they don't seem like it. And then at the very end, there's this long explanation page about what this cultural phenomena is in Japan and what it means. And he's uh, and he basically gives you like places where you can help and donate money to try to stop it and, and, and tells you where it's going on. And it's all very heartfelt, and uh, I feel like he's putting in a lot of stuff into this book um, – that that he's feeling strongly about and no one's i'm not really hearing anybody talk about this book but it's one of the things i've sort of quietly enjoyed reading every single month uh and this one was i thought a little special extra good cool okay awesome. well and speaking speaking of my carrying and possibly the other direction um <laughs> uh, x-men 202 um continued the uh the plot line with the marauders attacking the x-men and um, I've been really high on this since issue 200 when it started. But there are a couple quick bullet points is that I'm really enjoying this because, A, it's Carrie is one of the first people to actually mature some of the X-Men characters. We're seeing uh, Cannonball mature as a, as a character. We're seeing Iceman be challenged as a character. It's really kind of interesting to see the subtle characterizations that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what's also interesting is it's interesting to see the X-Men family as a unit, um, including the new X-Men, which everybody seems to love, which I'm, which I'm desperately trying to catch up on. But it's nice to see, like, it, for so long, it's, it was so many X-Men, and then they just cor- pared down to just, the, just the, the single ones. I do like a little bit of an extended family, so it's nice to see the new X-Men in the fray in this. Um, and finally, also, um, the Astonishing X-Men, uh, uh, Colossus, Kitty... Wolverine, Cyclops, Emma Frost are in this story arc. So that's the other it's, thing about Cyclops is he's showing up in other books. He's I was just going to say, so that's my bit of hope is that continuity-wise, I'm pretty sure Astonishing happens before this storyline, so Cyclops is going to be fine. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Kill Cyclops. We'd have heard about it three months ago if they were. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it would be a bestseller at Diamond. And it would happen so. off-screen, and they would give him another movie. Oh! oh. So. I brought it anyway, back. But so X-Men 202 has been really, really good. Okay. Um, awesome. so, yeah. What about what about endangered species? Uh, I didn't even bother. It's just whatever. <laughs> really not? That's awesome. No, I scanned it. It's just uh, it's just it's just it's it's so self indulgent, you know. You know, we, like, we, we 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 applauded it when it first when they first announced it, and now it's yeah. a disaster. We we it's totally no, wrong about that. Draw on this at this point. Um, not not extinction thing, but the main book. Um, the main book or the 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 endangered species? No, the main book. 
Oh, the main book is Humberto Ramos, who who I really, really I've liked since the '90s, and I really and he's one of the few people with that kind of you know kind of animation kind of look that I really really like. I think he can tell a good story. Okay, yeah. Um, if he was so, a yeah. not anymore. No, Bachalo's not. No, he's he's no he's no he's no longer. Um, but yeah, Ramos, I'm I'm loving because it, it's been a while since I've been on a book that Ramos has been con- consistently on. Actually, Wolverine was the last one. That was only two or three issues, but um, I really I really like Ramos's stuff. So cool. Um, yeah. So and real quickly, um, I was remiss in last week in, in mentioning um, Spider-Man Family number four came out. Normally, you don't read the family books, but um, you might uh, remember we've got a certain affinity for Chris Eliopoulos and his lettering, um, and also his work on Franklin Richards. He wrote and drew a little um, five or six page story actually uh, with the puppet master that was really, really, really good. Um, it was just very kind of heartfelt, and um, it was the puppet master making a little Spider Man doll and a little kid who tells the puppet master how he lost his mom and how his action figures were his only friends, and then he gets bullied, and the puppet master gives him the Spider Man action figure that comes to life and fights back against the bullies. It was really sweet. It was really neat. But what's interesting is that he hand lettered it. And it looks Ooh. awesome. It looks awesome. So, um, can you tell the difference? Uh, I it looked really good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can tell the difference, but I was like, "Ooh, and I mean, yeah." So, um, but anyway, so uh, so it, so we're often getting a lot of um, a lot of yeah, you could do mascara. We're getting a lot of requests about books for fam for kids and for that sort of thing. Spider Man Family Number Four is probably still in the comic shops. Go pick it up if you have kids. It's a good one to give. So, um, there, you go. Yeah. there you go. So, all right, cool. Let's awesome. let's roll roll on to the email. Emails yep. are plenty. Connor? Uh, I'll do it. John from Gloucester, Massachusetts writes and says, First, I should tell you guys that I've been enjoying your audio podcast for almost a year now. You guys offer the most blah, blah, blah. We Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> he, he said his friend Dave recommended him, which I, yes. I think, thank you, Dave. Yes. Um, yes. And he loves the video podcast. So thank you, John. Uh, but I take, I take issue with some of Josh's disparaging comments about Here the century. Comes. Somebody from Gloucester. Yeah, World War Hulk isn't good. You're totally on the spot in what you said about the fights being entirely devoid of story elements and about the story being structured entirely wrong. And if you feel like Black Bolt got shafted, Peter Parker's my homeboy, and he got destroyed without even being allowed a second for a self-deprecating joke as he was slapped down. So there. My problem is with your opinion about the century. Quote, no one thinks the century matters, unquote. I didn't like the century for a long time. I felt rather tricked by the whole he's a late golden age character we forgot about. Oh, wait. I was in eighth grade when they pulled that back in 2000, and even then I thought it was pretty fishy. But the way Bendis wrote him in New Avengers made me re-examine everything. I've come to consider him one of Marvel's most interesting characters. Strictly speaking, in power level, he is Marvel's Superman. On top of that, he's twice as psychologically interesting as Superman. So I guess what I'm saying is, the century matters to me. Step off his toes, son. Now, we'll give Josh a moment to defend himself, but I just want to chime in and say that the I like the way Bendis handled the century in New Avengers before Civil War started as well. I thought, okay, great, they're finally going to make him banner. Uh-huh. And then they put him back on the shelf. Right, Josh, and, no, yeah. I, I, I don't. You know, he if he likes the character, that's fine. But you, you don't really represent the reading public, unfortunately. I don't think there's not there's not like a big century <laughs> fan base out there. There just isn't. Yeah. And and the thing is, you know, comic books, and this is with Superman, DC, you know, to an extent, are a little bit about legacy. And when you want to have like your big your big guns come up against each other. The Sentry is not like the iconic Marvel character who you're going to bring to mind. It needs to be the Hulk versus Captain America, or the Hulk versus, the, you know, the Fantastic Four. It can't be the Hulk versus this character who's seven years old that nobody really, you know, couldn't support a solo book. The biggest problem I think with the Sentry is, uh, somewhat with Ron said, is that they really have done zero with him. They keep telling us we have to care about him, 
and they've given us no reason to do so. It's just ba- it's a tennis game. It's back and forth. It's like it's like they 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 do this whole big splash to introduce them, and then they put them in a box. You know what? And then, I, they, they, then they take them out of the box. They put them in Avengers, and then it leaves us going. Oh, okay, then Bendis does a really good story to make a matter, and they put them on the shelf. And I and then that it was good in the Avengers. I enjoyed those stories, but as a part of the Avengers story, not as right. As the Apex and now I, I'm the only one who read the the Century Solo series, right? The Romita one. See, see, see. Yeah, that didn't matter. It was okay, but it was more about the century in the void and blah 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 blah, and it was just like okay, it doesn't matter. You the void's know? gone now, right? The, nah, it's hard to explain. Well, right, the void but, isn't. The void is never gone. The void is him. He's, he's right. I know, but they sort of explained it away very recently, where they're like, no, no, you're in control. And the void is like herpes. You can put it into you know remission or whatever, uh, but it ain't going away forever. Okay, just Alba. I, I guess I can't really. I can't really consider him to be one of the great characters because he's. He's not Superman because he's incredibly damaged, and he's not, like I don't. I mean, that's Marvel, but that's he's the Marvel Superman because yeah. Marvel characters are damaged. Yeah, he's so, but he's so damaged that he's uninteresting. Yeah, that's he's it. He's so damaged that he's useless because he's sitting he's on, he's he's sitting sitting on a couch. And, and he's sitting in a lake house. Yeah, <laughs> every time you see him too, he's like. Ooh. He's Eeyore. I don't care. If, if anybody reads every Marvel book, can you please write in and tell us wh- whose lake house is that? I've never seen the lake house. It's his lake house. I have no mention of the lake house previously. He lived on the little thing on top of the tower. It's Paul Jenkins' lake house. In the, in the uh. DC universe, though, D, you know, Superman is the beacon of hope. When everything is dark and everything's horrible, Superman looks up and he's like, we can do this and we will. He's like Cap. He's their Cap. And Cap yeah. is Marvel. Is the Marvel Superman. Yeah. not It's not about power. It's about stature. It's about... You know what that character it's brings. It's the effect to- that he brings to the other characters. It's the the fact that everybody in DC looks up to Superman, and everybody in Marvel looks up to Cap in America. Because the thing is that there are a lot of guys who are really powered that have a lot of power, similar to the centuries or whatever, that don't matter. Like they they don't because they don't inspire the way Cap did. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. But you know you like him cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. No, I mean that that's good. And maybe yeah, no, and, and, and in and in a couple of years when he does matter and when they figure him out, you could be laughing, going, "I was with him from the beginning," and that's awesome. So you do that. <laughs> Go ahead, wear your sentry shirt out on the street. No one will know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so our next email, um, uh, Corey from Cleveland writes in saying, he was just wondering if Marvel is as stupid as they look. They put out solicitations and previews month in, months in advance with covers and preview pages that spoil the endings of most books. Case in point, I noticed today that Newsarama posted five preview pages for Mighty Avengers number seven, even though we're only on issue number four. In that book, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading ahead on the email and I'm getting thrown off because I don't want the story spoiled for me, and now it just was. The preview <laughs> pages show that Tony Stark is alive and well, resting, resting, and it ends with issues in, um, in the fight that probably ends with issue number six. His question is, in issues number four, Tony's supposed to be dead, but now that we know he's alive in issue number seven, why do I want to keep buying the next couple of issues if I know the outcome? Comic companies seem to do this month after month, which begs the question, why give away endings for free, and do you agree, or have you noticed this recently? Well, first of all, did anybody really believe Tony was dead? I mean, like- Tony's dead and what? Oh, in, in Mighty Avengers? Yeah. Oh, we all know that that story is just way, way behind. Yeah, I mean, that's like everything yeah. else. So, you know, if you believed Tony was dead, you weren't paying attention. I mean, there was there was no way to Tony's- hold Tony showing up and everything because now he's the linchpin of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, it's not like a shock that Tony is dead or alive. Re- um, that's the nature of the business. It's They, they have to solicit well, that's, that's the way it's set up. It's also, you know, because they have to, you know, because everything is at three months ahead, they have to solicit that way. You know, it, it sucks, but there's, that's the way it works right now. Maybe someday there'll be a better system. It's the same thing, like, if you watch a movie trailer now. Yeah. 
basically get the whole movie. I, I can't tell you how many times they're like, wow, we just saw Acts 1, 2, and 3 in that trailer. Well, it, it's also it's the nature it's the nature also of, of the the Marvels putting out that stuff to solicit the stores more than us. The, yeah. the best thing you can do is just ignore it, you know. Um, but as I've been saying, because we've been talking about spoilers a lot and stuff like that, and it's and it's one thing. I mean, I almost think that the day of finding out that Vader is Luke's father is over, and mm-hmm. it's less about what the ending is and more about how they get there. You know, and we saw that with Cap's death, and we saw that with the Unmasked Spider-Man, and all that kind of stuff. Is that when the really big stuff happens, or when something happens, it's going to be in Wizard, it's going to be on Newsarama, it's going to be on our site probably. You know, and the mm-hmm. thing is, you got to choose whether to avoid it or not avoid it. And if you get spoiled, then to enjoy it when you are able to read it. You know. So, yeah, I almost never ever read any solicitations. No, I don't either. I or, don't look, look or look at preview pages. I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah, and that that pretty much works. You know, the thing is though, in those books, those those like you're saying, those are those are always going to get spoiled. But there are other books that are more under the radar, and you know, I read The Walking Dead, and that makes me go, "Geez, oh, you know, those are the things that excite me now." You know, like in a way that the big books don't, because they have to plan everything so far in advance. You know what I'm talking I don't about. Think, I don't think it's any less planned in advance. It's just a matter of. Well, everybody um, talks. You don't. About you don't read them. The, the solicitations are Walking Dead out there. You just don't read them. Yeah, but also they don't get talked about about what's going to happen. Well, you know, in those people books. don't care as much as. Right. Well, that works. That works for my benefit, I guess. Right. <laughs> well, if um, if you care. And if Doc Brown pulled, up to you, pulled up to your house and said he has to take you in the past to go look at a solicitation, um, email us at contact.ifanboy.com and tell us about it. Um, and and uh, this this batch of, e- of emails were brought to you by the Netflix. Uh, the Netflix is our choice for DVD rentals. Um, you can get over 75,000 titles, no late fees, free shipping on bo- uh, both ways, both them sending you the DVDs, you sending it back to them. Deliveries are speedy quick, like Speedy McFeely. And um, they got plans starting from four ninety nine and up. And this is the old go, reference show. When you go up to w, when you go to www.netflix.com slash ifanboy, uh, you can sign up and get a free two week trial. So very cool. So go to the Netflix. Look at what we have here. And then like <laughs> he fights with Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so on to the voicemail. Hey guys, this is uh, Jim in the Qs. First time, long time. Um, here's my question. I, I was at my local library the other day and I picked up a bunch of graphic novels. Stuff that I would never buy. Um, case in point, the Burn Claremont uh, story arc with vampires in JLA a few years ago, and it was just the biggest, most fetid pile of dog poop that I've read in a long time. My question is, what is it about comic book creators, and specifically the creators that were really big in the 80s, you know, like Marv Wolfman and, and uh, Byrne and Claremont and, uh, you know, uh, people of that, Jim Starlin, what is it about comic book creators from that time period that they just can't seem to move forward um, in, in writing, in changing their voices around to match what's you know, basically the, the, the Bendis style of writing today, that kind of thing, or Brubaker? Um, you don't really see that in novels a lot, or, or filmmaking, you know, music. People who who have longevity, you know, they stand the test of time a little bit better in those mediums. But for comic books, it, it, it doesn't quite work that way. And I was wondering if you guys had any, any opinions on that. I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Well, I think, I think he's got a point that some of the older creators in comics have a hard time evolving. We talked about this before, like John Byrne and the, the creators that we really love. But some have been able to keep the flame alive, you know. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't think there's a rule. I don't. I mean, like, no, 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 no. no. There's definitely. Yeah. There's, I think. I think it's a general rule. He says. He says that um, filmmakers and, and musicians can 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 keep a long career, and, and some do, but but a lot don't, and a lot are never as good as they were when they were in their twenties. You know, the Beatles were all their great stuff when they were in their early twenties, mid twenties. Right, but, um, the, but but some of the greatest Paul stuff. And then stuff now is not good. You know. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, the I mean, fire, with, the fire tends to go out as you get older. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a real I'm a harsh critic on on music as you know they evolve. I don't think any band should do more than two or three albums and all that kind of you know like. And same thing with filmmakers. We've seen. I mean, like look at the Star Wars movies and Lucas. You know. Well, the you, neck is taken over. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's something that that I think age and experience and something that every every industry wrestles with. I don't think it's just limited to comics. So no, I I would totally disagree. Not with everybody. This. If you look not, at and like, there's, all, but there's always exceptions. Of yeah, course, there's so always are. like like Werner Herzog is a guy like he just keeps. Well, Stanley Kubrick. You know, his last yeah. film was very controversial, but I thought it was great. A lot of people do. I mean, yeah. there's people Scorsese. that there's Scorsese. Scorsese. There's there's always exceptions to the rule. Bob Dylan. But, um, you know, for the most part, comic creators, like anybody, any other artist, you tend to have that fire when you're young, and that fire slowly dims as you get older. Just, yeah, that's just the way it goes. Look, look at Johnny yeah, Cash. His last couple of records were brilliant. Yep. There's a couple of guys, though, who, who fly in against that. You know, uh, Alan Moore, I don't think, ever slowed Not down. I know, but, like, he's been, you know, done 20 years when he, you know. Right, yeah. You know, Frank Miller's stuff has never slowed down. It doesn't, like, when you read stuff that they do, it doesn't feel like, when you know, like when you read a, uh, like when you were you were talking about Dan Jurgens' art last week or something yeah. like that. Well, the art's the same. It's just my tastes have changed. Well, and, you know, and the, the styles have moved on, kind of yeah. in a way. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I honestly don't. I mean, like George Perez, like Brave and the Bold, I think it's great, but I don't think his art is the same as it was. You know, even going back to the Avengers stuff he did a few years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, yeah. You know, like so, something's different. You know, and so you know, just, the art specifically is 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 a physical thing as much as anything. Yeah, yeah. Because the hand cramps up. You know, it takes a, it takes actually a lot of physicality to be able to do that. So maybe it's a bit of a young man's game to do that kind of art. Well, someone should tell comic artists that they don't have to do uh, twenty five jumping jacks in between pages. <laughs> but also, I mean, like there's certain guys like it's, they're it's writing part of the Marvel bullpen regi- training <laughs> regimen of the sixties. Dude, they do Japanese style calisthenics. It's like, exactly. exactly. Didn't, didn't Kirby do that with a cigar in his mouth? <laughs> yes, he did. I love Jack. Um, uh, but some guys like you know you've got a certain style and that style doesn't translate. To the to different time, like uh, I don't think Claremont style translates to the modern comic book style. And it's not like he's going to write like Brian Azzarello now, right? It just there's, doesn't. A, there's a I great mean, ex- there's a great example. We'll probably talk about it next week, but I think I think next week or in a couple of weeks, there's um, a Fantastic Four: The Final Story, um, yeah, the, the written crazy. by Stan, written by Stan Lee, drawn by John Romita Jr. Oh, um, right, right. I have a feeling this is this is this. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it when it comes out, but um, I think the same kind of thing is uh, the same theme will pop up in that in that when we look, talk about that book. Yeah, so. I mean, there's different you know, people, there's different ages, different different styles and tastes and change, and people's abilities change with their as their life changes, and that's just the way it goes with art. I think it'll be really interesting to come in like 20 years and see if like like are people going to be like, boy, Bendis just doesn't have it anymore. Like he's still going to be hacking away like his old stuff. And people... Some people say that now, <laughs> right? Or, you know, like, just Im- imagine like, like well, twenty years he's going to be sixty. Yeah. He's probably yeah, not going to be doing this on a monthly basis when he's sixty years I old. I know, but even even like you know, like even Claremont shows up every once in a while and does a project, and people are like, oh, you're like all of a sudden Marv Wolfman's writing Nightwing, right? And that didn't work. It worked in the eighties. It doesn't. Work I know. So what I'm saying is, I'd be really interested. I'm I'm going to be really interested to see what happens. Like. You know when they when Ed Brubaker makes his triumphant return to Daredevil, 
you know, yeah. after so, he's been off the book for 15 years. Like, so but here's the question, though. If we go back with Doc Brown in 1980 and grab Chris Claremont <laughs> and bring him to today, does he put ah. out good books? You know, if we if Doc Brown brings back John Byrne from 1982, you know, I think I think you can. I think what you said about Perez is also true for Byrne. The art, the the 82 Byrne art is so much better than the 07 Byrne art, even the 02 Byrne art. It's just yeah. he's older. Yep, he's not. It's not a bad art. It's just his. his well, his 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 ego actually slows down his drawing. Uh, all right, let's not let's uh, not, <laughs> let's just talk about the art. <laughs> so anyway, uh, see, he right. finds it hard to write when on top of the 20-foot pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so if you have any the insightful... all the way down there. If you, have any, <laughs> if you have any insightful questions for us, you can call us at 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 1-888-326-2697. 30 we're, seconds. We're sure to give One you an question. insightful answer. Yes. Um, yeah, keep your questions down to 30 seconds, please. We appreciate it. So. Do you have multi-part things? Call a couple of times. That's okay. Okay, so this is episode 95. Episode 100 is coming up in five short weeks, and we have some big things planned. We're not sure exactly. We're still working on it. But um, in the meantime, we'd like you all to send in uh, listener mail. We did this for the 25th episode, I believe, and we also did it for the one-year anniversary where we just answered a whole mess of listener mail. So if you could send in whatever you got, crazy, interesting, insightful, funny. Uh, Josh and I had a whole thing today on Superman versus the Green Lantern Corps, who would win that fight. So if you have that kind of stuff or... The normal, insightful, intelligent stuff that you guys send us, it's great. We'll take it all, write episode 100 somewhere in the subject line so we know to keep it for that. And you can also continue to write to us for the regular show for the next five weeks uh, until then. And don't forget to check out ifanboy.com where there's a post about this show and about the video shows. And we're blogging. We're putting stuff up there about all sorts of things, anything we think of. There's great discussion going on there and at the Revision 3 uh, message boards and forums. and, And go there and contribute to what is a fantastic community. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a ton of fun. And if you're a proud member of that community, you can head over to jinx.com slash ifanboy and pick up a t-shirt um, where you can proudly display your allegiance and your um, status as an ifanboy intern. So go to jinx. Hurry, my family buys them all. Yeah. <laughs> go to jinx.com forward slash ifanboy. And every Wednesday, there's another show, not just this show. We've got the video show. It's different, it's different from this audio show, and it comes out every Wednesday around 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and uh, it's about other all kinds of comic book-related things. This week... Um, Ron was in Chicago with Gordon the intern. I almost just called it George for some reason. Um, and that's what this show's about this week. Yeah, it's a fun, wacky show. But um, yeah, so check that check that out. It was a very good show. That's what I was going to say. I wasn't there, so I can watch it as a conscientious. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So, um, so if you, um, you could also head over to frapper.com forward slash ifanboy, stick your pin in the frapper map, and join the legions of ifanboy faithful. Uh, you can join Chris uh, from Lowell, Massachusetts, who loves the show. Um, and wants us to keep it coming from our friend Tad Stones out in California, um, and also Patrick Animal Vader one more, um, who gives wow. who gives props to Stormwatch Comics in Berlin, New Jersey. A lot of people like to give props to their comic book store on the Frapper map. Why don't you do the same? Um, you can go to the various spaces that we have: MySpace.com and uh, slash ifanboy, ComicSpace.com slash ifanboy. Be our friend. You go to Verb.com slash ifanboy. Uh, and one of the fun things we're doing now is sign up for Twitter at twitter.com and, and you can see our uh, at twitter.com slash ifanboy our musings on the week and then each of us also have a Twitter page that we keep up with and... uh, if you like the show you can vote for us at podcastalley.com we write a review on iTunes not for, only for this show but also for the video show uh, but better yet tell your friends about us tell your comic book store tell your uh, maybe somewhat interested bi-curious comic book reading friends <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Tell your mom, spread the iFanboy word, and dig the podcast at the in dig.com in the podcast section. I said it before. Tell your dad. Tell your dad. <laughs> and finally, if you dig what we do and if you like uh, all the content we throw at you on a weekly basis, you can head over to iFanboy.com forward slash donations and you can donate to the cause. You can use PayPal and donate any denomination you feel like. We've gotten some very generous donations recently and we want to thank those people who sent it. You guys help us keep, keep us going, so we appreciate it. So, um... All right, cool. Well, I think that wraps it up for this week. Uh, until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. And you're. And I was stepping all over Connor. Take some time to think.